Ever wonder what it takes to create and build a business? Are you curious about the skills needed to become a good leader? Have you considered what you're passionate about and could you turn that passion into a career? Welcome to another episode of In Reality, Lessons from Leaders and Entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm your host, John Rebecki, and I recently had an opportunity to speak with Jim Breslowski, President and Vice Chairman of Henry Schein, about the importance of the company's core values and developing an organizational culture that unites team members. You'll hear how values transcend borders and create a foundation for growing a business into a market leader. In 2019, Henry Schein was ranked 242nd on the Fortune 500 list of the largest U.S. companies, and in 2018 was recognized in Fortune's Most Admired Companies ranking as number one among wholesale healthcare companies, as well as inclusion in Fortune's Change the World list, a list of top companies from across the globe that are doing well by doing good. Jim has been with Henry Schein for 39 years as a member of the leadership team that transformed the company from a relatively small dental and medical supply firm into an international powerhouse that provides business, uh, clinical technology, and uh, supply chain solutions to help office-based dental and medical professionals. The company has annual revenues in excess of $9 billion and 19,000 team members worldwide, servicing over 1 million customers. Jim is a certified public accountant, a graduate of St. John's University, where he is a former member of the Board of Governors. In addition to other industry trade groups and academic board positions, he is currently on the Leadership Council at the School of Dental Medicine at Harvard University. Welcome, Jim. Thank you very much, John. It's really a pleasure to be with you, and thank you so much to NYIT for inviting me. It's really an honor to be here. Well, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting topic to talk about uh, leadership and organizational culture, and especially when we could talk to somebody who uh, leads an organization that is multinational, has, uh, I think, just about 19,000 team members. Yes, we do. And you service, I think it's the number I read, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's something like a million customers? A million customers on a worldwide basis, yep. Wow, that, We're that's in, uh, more than 30 countries around the world today. Right. And now, uh, in reading your, your bio, uh, you started with Henry Schein back in 1980, was it? It was the summer of 1980. Wow. So you've been there 39 years. 39 years this year. That's correct. Wow. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, Henry Schein? I mean, obviously, I, I believe I read it was a much smaller organization when you started. Maybe you could talk about some of the transformation that you've seen over the years. So, John, one of the things I think is important to share is Henry Schein really started as a mom and pop pharmacy mm -hmm. in 1932 in Woodside, Queens. Henry and Esther Schein. So the name of our company, Henry Schein Incorporated, is the name of our founder. And Henry and Esther worked together in the business, uh, Henry leading the business and Esther taking care of the operations and the finances of the business for many, many years before I got there. And in the 1970s, late 1970s, Henry and Esther had to decide what are they going to do with the future of the company? Henry and Esther had a son, Jay Shine. Jay Shine was an, a lawyer who worked on Wall Street for about 15 years. Didn't really work in the business for all that long, but mom and dad invited him to come in and become the chief executive officer, next generation leader of the Henry Schein business. So Jay, Jay Schein wanted to take advantage of what mom and dad created, but he also wanted to build for the future. So Jay engaged 
the firm that I was working for, BDO at the time, mm -hmm. and Stan Bergman in particular, who is our chief executive officer today, mm -hmm. to help write a business plan for the future of Henry Schein. Now, when Jay took over, so at that point, it, was, it had to have been more than just a storefront at that point. Well, at that point, the business had grown to be about $40 million of business. Mm -hmm. We were a mail order company, one location, here at that time in 1979, we were located in Port Washington and we were in the consumable business selling consumable products to healthcare practitioners such as dentists, medical professionals, and veterinarians. Jim, you've used the term consumables and I want to make sure that our listeners understand. Um, now, now that encompasses everything from a Band-Aid to a syringe to medical wipes to topical medications and all those types of items found in a medical or dental office, right? If you think about the customers that we serve even today, mm -hmm. the customers that we serve today are what we would reference as uh, office-based healthcare practitioners. So what that means is, is that anything that actually happens outside of the hospital, we're, we're not in the acute care business, mm -hmm. but anything that happens outside of the hospital, we are involved in helping those customers achieve their goals and provide them with products and services. So way back in the 1970s, we were selling these consumable products, just as you described, mm -hmm. to dentists, to uh, medical doctors, and also to veterinarians. So let's talk about how you became involved in the company. Jay is running the business and looks to the outside for some help, for guidance. And it almost sounds like for you, it was right place, right time. So as a consultant, mm -hmm. Stanley, like any consultant would do, delivered the business plan. And so Jay said, hmm, how about you join? How about you come on board? And so at that time, Stanley said, you know, this sounds interesting, but I have one person that I would like you to meet because I'd like to bring someone with me. And I had the good fortune, as you said, right place, right time right. to be that person who had an opportunity to meet Jay, but also to meet Henry, to meet Esther, and to meet the entire leadership team at that time mm -hmm. to decide whether or not it made sense for me to become part of Henry Schein. That, that was in the summer of 1980. And I said, let, let me give this a shot. And I decided to come with Henry Schein. And Jay in particular had a, a vision. He wanted to capitalize on what mom and dad did and that's healthcare distribution to dentists, animal health professionals, and medical doctors. But he also had a vision to create a generic pharmaceutical company. And so what we did in the 1980s is we really created a separate company called Shine Pharmaceutical. Yeah. Now, what happened was, unfortunately, Jay Shine was diagnosed with cancer in 1988. And we had to decide, you know, what are we going to do with the future? Stanley at that time became the chairman and chief executive of Henry Shine. We totally separated the businesses. Shine Pharmaceutical eventually went public. And Stanley asked me at that time to take responsibility for what at that time, and again today, is our largest segment of our business. So you That see, was a real moment of truth for me. So at that point, what size was the organization? Because you started out with 150 people, and by then you started to scale up. Probably in the early 1990s, we were maybe about a $300 million company, and, and we uh, you know, maybe had four or 500 people in the company. We were still in the early 90s. We only had one distribution location. We only had one location for the company. Mm. We only, in the early 1990s, started to build out other locations throughout the United States and also start to expand our business to become an international company. It was a rapid period of growth for sure. 
And it was also a window of time for many people to be able to grow within the company mm -hmm. and to be able to, as long as we maintained the fundamental core values that Henry and Esther basically laid down as part of who Henry Schein Inc. was before we even arrived. Uh -huh. And how, how do we hold on to that, but have that now underpin a more modern day Henry Schein was one of the things that actually enabled us to effectively grow the company uh, to that particular point. So the values of, of our business, you know, we embody them in a document, of course, sure. you know, the values of Team Shine, but it's how we actually bring those values to life that truly make a difference. Sure. And so there's a list of, you know, at least maybe nine or, or, or 10 core specific values, but what they boil down to is two fundamental principles. The first principle is respect that everyone is entitled to respect, no matter where you come from, no matter what role you have. The way we used to say it is each person is as important as the next, no matter what role you have. Everyone is deserving of, of kindness. It's important for us to have the team feel that they are part of something bigger than they are individually, and that everyone has an opportunity to have access to anyone, no matter what your role is in the company. But this overall notion of uh, openness, open door policy, and, and really living it, not just saying it, but making it real, like to enabled that transition from the Shine family to professional management that embodied the values of the Shine family. You use the word trust a lot. It's so difficult to obtain and so easy to lose. And one of the things that you, you, especially when talking to other chief executives, is that you, you really have to embrace that and understand that notion. And then, as you say, you have to live it mm -hmm. and put it into action. So when I think about the word trust, I like to think about it in three elements. We encourage everyone in the first element to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, that trust people have good intentions. You know, don't be skeptical. Believe that people have good intentions. That's the first important element of trust. The second element of trust is whether or not we actually have the competence to deliver on the commitments that we make to each other. So if you trust my intention and actually I have, uh, I have the competence, then the third element is do I deliver? And if you have those three elements working, all the time, that can empower amazing things. And as the company gets bigger and bigger, that's something that we have to continue to focus on because if you lose trust, as you said, you, you, you can lose it rather quickly. Yeah. It really makes it very difficult to get uh, important things done with each other. You hear a lot about trust in business today, uh, especially when you consider what's happening with companies like Boeing uh, and the loss of trust not only from the industry, but from the public at large. And maybe that's the fragile element that truly great leaders understand how vulnerable it is and how valuable trust is to the organization and, and how it becomes a central part of the culture. So, so now every company has their own stakeholders that they have to be respectful of. One of the things I think that we have done consistently and relentlessly over the years is help the team understand the importance of balancing what we call our mosaic of success. 
And the mosaic of success is balancing the needs of the constituencies and the stakeholders that we're responsible to and maintaining the trust of each of them. And those stakeholders include, of course, the customers that we serve. Right. And fundamentally, as a distribution company, that's the core. We've changed quite a bit, and I can share some of that. But when a manufacturer gives us the right to represent their products, it's important for us to build relationships and trust. Then, of course, there uh, are our shareholders as a public company. It's important that they trust us, that we're good for the commitments that we make that we make commitments that are in respect of the other stakeholders as well, because we are not in business just for our shareholders, but they need to be able to rely on us. Then also, of course, our team, our team needs to trust us. And the last element, and this is what we kind of call the secret sauce is we really want to be important, respectful citizens of the communities that we're a part of. So corporate social responsibility for a long time has been a key element of that mosaic of success. And so when we think about trust, that's one of the things that empowers our ability to be able to respond to change as change presents itself to us in the marketplace, but also create change internally when we ask people to trust us or suppliers to trust us or our investors to trust us or our customers to trust us as we're going through change. We talked earlier about uh, the size and scale of Henry Schein today. Uh, you're a global company. I think uh, you operate in 32 countries around the world. You've got 19,000 plus team members out there. And you've got a core group and a senior management team of real believers in Team Shine. So how do you get that to permeate down throughout the organization? Is there something that you do differently than many companies? How do you deal across some regional and ethnic cultures as you grow around the world? When we think about the overall growth and success of the team and the company over the years is we have grown uh, in a combination of organic growth, but uh, business development, acquisitions, joint ventures has been a big part of, of our growth over time. So when we think about how Henry Schein became an international company, the essence of that was finding partners who we felt were aligned with the values that, that we hold dear. And that we felt that the chemistry, the personal chemistry would actually be good, that we could really work together. And the reason why that helped us growing is because those folks really understood those local markets. Right. Yes, we could bring certain expertise, we could bring products, we can bring capabilities, but they understood the local customers, they understood the competition, and their team also was aligned with them in a way that was tied together by this, this value system. So as we built the company over the years into those 31 countries, it would not have been possible if we did it just by ourselves, by planting the Henry Schein flag in a country and say, here we are. So what we would typically do is take an interest in these companies, but not buy the company completely because we wanted those leadership teams to stay with us. We wanted them to feel that what they thought was real about who Henry Schein was and what our value system was, in fact, is real. And they then had an opportunity to further build their business as owners. The other key element of that is doing the right thing, which means making sure that we're an ethical company. 
making sure that we're adhering to worldwide business standards around the world, you know, making sure that we're in full compliance, right? So, so all of that, that is a key element of the core value system. And that value system is borderless, no matter where we are in the world. We're in China today, we're in many different countries in Asia, in Europe, in, uh, we're in Brazil, uh, Australia, New Zealand is a major market for us. And, but culture is different. People are different. Regional cultures are different, even within countries. So we also have to make sure that we're always sensitive and respectful and not believing that just because we're successful here in the U.S. and we come in that we really know more than the local people may know. We need to listen. We need to understand first. We need to understand them as people and we need to understand what's really important to them and then respond based upon, you know, that sensitivity to regional uh, culture. So over the years, your team succeeded in integrating third-party organizations into the Henry Schein family, creating all new team members. And along with these companies come new markets and customers that benefit from having a team with localized knowledge combined with the scale and product offering of Henry Schein. Especially as it relates to international consolidation, you're putting together a portfolio of integrated services that goes beyond just the consumables business, it's consulting, it's financial services. It's a whole list of different things that you can now bring to them. So customers view Henry Shine like a one-stop shop. You make their life easy and you want them to get back to practicing medicine and remove some of the worries about running a business. That is the goal. And to have them actually recognize us for it with their loyalty. Right. So we would say to, to a customer, say, you know, doctor, if I, can help, if I can help you achieve your goals, will you help achieve mine? Right. Help me achieve mine. And, and, and so, uh, you know, when we look at the business today, yes, we did start out as a consumable distribution business. And I have to say that worldwide, that's still the heart of the heart of our business. That's our foundation. And it's still critically important. So when we look at Henry Schein, there's this foundation of distribution today in both dental and medical. And we didn't talk about this, but a few months ago, we actually spun off our animal health business into a totally separate public company. So today, Henry Schein is now focused on human health. And we have this core distribution of dental and medical business, but we have two other elements that are critical to us today and also for tomorrow. One is what we call practice management technology and services. So back in the early 1990s, we actually decided to become involved in practice management technology. We decided to be involved actively in helping a customer run their business by owning the software that runs their business. So on the one hand, as a distribution company, we're, we're not uh, creating new products, but on the practice management software and services side, we are. Right. Those are proprietary products and services that we own. There are more dentists around the world that are utilizing a practice management system that is owned and created by Henry Schein than any other company. And some of these things that uh, are patient relationship management actually go beyond that to demand generation. There is tremendous need for oral health care around the world. But creating the uh, converting that need into demand that actually fills the uh, schedule of the, the customers that we're serving is our mission. And now there are new tools 
to manage that whole process digitally that didn't exist before. So that's two parts that we have. We have this practice management, technology and services. We have this distribution business. And then the other aspect of our business, which is totally different, is the whole world of specialties and taking the step forward into actually manufacturing. So today we are a meaningful manufacturer of things such as uh, oral surgical products, products such as implants, dental implants, uh, clear aligners in the orthodontic space, unique endodontic products. And we're actually now manufacturing those because historically manufacturers of those products were not working with companies like Henry Schein. They were selling direct to the dentists, but we said, we want a dentist or a medical practice to be able to look at Henry Schein and say, I can get everything that I need. And, and so as, as we look at the business and how we've transformed over the years, there's this foundation that still exists. There's the values around the world, but now we're building what's next in terms of products and services that will allow us to stay contemporary and where practices will look at us and customers will look at us and say, you know what? Henry Schein actually helps me run a better business and achieve my goals while I can focus on the best patient care possible. So you're fleshing out your offerings, you're bundling them and creating an environment in which, as you point out, your objective is to make life easier for that practitioner so they can spend more time with the patient and provide better health care, whether it's oral health care or medicine. Right, exactly. That's, that's our goal. And, and that, that ties into... You know, the thing that I believe helps us all feel extremely proud of what we do because we believe it's important and it helps change lives. Right. Now, uh, tell, but, t- tell me, what is the value of a good smile? Oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, uh, we, we can be proud of that. And, and the team around the world, I think, realizes that not only are, are we running an effective business and a good business, but we're actually involved in doing something that is really uh, helping to promote health around the world. Right. So your business is about giving practitioners the tools to run their practice so they can focus on patient care. You know, Jim, you're, you're running a great company whose values are a core element of its success. So I'm interested to know what one word describes who you are. It's not so easy. The first thing that comes to my mind is teammate. I actually really enjoy being on a team. I enjoy showing up. I enjoy participating. I enjoy playing my role. Uh, I know that I'm responsible given the role that I have for certain leadership duties. But sometimes as a leader, it's really important to be a servant, right? And, And it's really important to be comfortable with other people stepping forward and taking leadership role and accountability while you're supportive of their success. So being a good teammate for me is something that uh, I strive for. And I would love people to think that they're happy that I'm on their team. Jim, thanks very much for talking to us today. I think we got a lot of great insights in terms of what leadership and culture are all about. And we really appreciate your time. Well, John, thank, thank you. And again, thank you to NYIT for allowing me to be part of this. I, I, I'm really, you know, uh, I'm really a lucky person. I, you know, think back sometimes to the words of uh, (laughs) Luke Gehrig, you know, sometimes I think about myself as being the luckiest man on the face of the earth, because not only from a business point of view, you know, I mentioned the relationship with people such as, you know, Stanley and Stephen and Jerry and Mark, but also I love being with the team. 
and, and I love what we do and who we are. But also, you know, I have to say it, I, I've been so blessed with family. You know, my, my, my mom and dad have been you know, such influences and I have two great brothers that are just amazing people that have helped shape who I am as, as a person. And also, you know, my, my family, I mean, Debbie has been just, uh, my wife, Debbie, and my, my three children have been just amazing people, Kevin, Kate, and Mike. I just want to make sure that I can wake up every day and saying, I'm, I'm still doing the right thing and I never give up. Great. Thanks, Jim. Thank you so much, John. During the course of our discussion, Jim provided insights into how core values form the bedrock for the business to operate. During the company's transformation from a small distribution business to a global leader in their industry, the values withstood the test of time. He mentioned the importance of respect for others, no matter what their position in the organization. Creating a climate of trust and openness for everyone and anyone to have a voice. And always doing the right thing which as he defines is making sure the company operates with the highest ethical standards. Jim talked about how their values are borderless, but culture is different. To operate on a global scale, you need to make sure that you're always sensitive and respectful of regional culture. That's where he described the importance of acquiring stakes in companies that have a local knowledge and integrate them into team shine. And to have a corporate purpose that transcends the core products and services. To understand that what they do impacts the health and wellness of people around the world and embrace their social responsibility. Thanks again to Jim for sharing these valuable lessons. You've been listening to me and my guests for the past 20 minutes or so, and now I want to hear from you. What resonated with you the most and how are you going to apply those tips to your business or career? I want to know. Feel free to write a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Share your thoughts, comments, and some of your pending questions that you may have about this episode with me on social media by using the hashtag InRealityPodcast. That's all one word, hashtag InRealityPodcast. Or follow New York Institute of Technology on social media at MyNYIT on Facebook and Instagram and at NYIT on Twitter. You can even mail us at InRealityPodcast. That's all one word, in reality at nyit.edu. And if we get enough questions, I just may answer them on a bonus episode at the end of the season. You are listening to In Reality, Lessons from Leaders and Entrepreneurs podcast hosted by me, John Rebecca. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecca and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. Our executive producer and social media strategist is Paulina Lemonier. Our audio editor is Johnny Rebecca. The director of professional enrichment and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohen. Our graphic team is Paula Geraldo and Julia Donahue. Special thanks to Karen Marie Belknap, Jacqueline Compton, and Petra Shandaraga. Until next time.